Hello, welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, the book of Boba Fett. It is part of the Star Wars franchise, taking place after the events of Return of the Jedi. It is a spin-off from the series The Mandalorian that features the crime lord and bounty hunter Boba Fett. It exists alongside The Mandalorian and its other spin-off, Ahsoka. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to talk a lot of spoilers because, especially for Mandalorian Season 2, because so much of the setup of this series happened in that season of the show. Uh, One being that Boba Fett is alive. Uh, His armor was floating around on the torso of someone else. (laughs) And Boba Fett, retrieving that and then starting on his journey to where we find him at the start of this series. Namely, he gets his armor bet back off the Mandalorian, Jin Jarin, and having done an exchange of I'll do you do this favor for me, I'll do this favor for you, sets about taking over Jabba the Hutt's old role on Tatooine. Um with his, you know, trusty aide Fennec Shand, also from Mandalorian, both season one and two, um, and season one of the Bad Batch, which we've also reviewed as well. Um, but it's funny because when the first episode dropped, people were not that not that hot on it. They're like, "That's wait, what's this? This is this isn't the show I expected when I saw Boba Fett, Crime Lord." And then episode two dropped and people were like, actually, you know what? This isn't what I wanted, but this is, this is very interesting. I didn't know why I didn't know I wanted this. And I'm talking specifically about you get flashbacks for about the first half of the season of what happened to Boba Fett between falling into the Sarlacc pit at the end of Return of the Jedi and where we see him come across pass with the Mandalorian in season two. We didn't see any of that stuff. It was all legends and hearsay and comic books and that are no longer canon, that sort of stuff. Um, And that I found was what kept me invested for the first half of this season. How about yourself? It's just a weird show, isn't it? It is. It is a bit all over the place. There's like a mishmash of things going on. It is absolutely all over the place. I was interested in Boba Fett. Like all kids were watching Star Wars, he looked cool. He was there, didn't say much. But Jedi, it looked as though he did die. And as you say, we find out in this show how he survives. At the end of Mandalorian Season 2, I was wanting more. Give me Season 3. But they're like, no, we're going to give you the book of Boba Fett. And it set it up in that post credit scene. I'm like, oh, Okay, okay, so we're going to have that. It's not quite Mandalorian. We're going to get this different thing than episode one. Interesting. I was interested enough. Very slow. Episode two, okay, showing a bit of promise, but it is so slow. You get to episode, I think it was episode four, and they're talking about bringing in the muscle. Okay, I wonder who that's going to be. And then then you hear the... You do, you hear it. And then episode five, oh, 
This is Mandalorian, episode six. Another episode of Mandalorian, enjoying it. But then Boba Fett, he came in at the end. It just a very misleading title for a show. If I was a hardcore Boba Fett fan, and then I think finally his moment to shine, they're going to give him his own show. It really isn't his show. They do interesting things with the flashbacks, I agree. Yeah. But as soon as Mandalorian turns up, for me, I'm like, well, I'm way more interested in this guy. And I'm more than happy for him to be here. But that shouldn't be the case because it's not his show. When you get to the finale, going into it, and it's almost like a solid hour, which is a good runtime for it. All the characters do come together and it works well. But I'm thinking, Boba Fett, they're going to have to have him do something big. He needs to do something and he needs to be able to better Mandalorian in at least one thing. Yeah. He rides a rancor. That was incredible. Like, so we yeah. <laughs> do get to see him do some cool things, but we have to wait until episode seven. Yeah. The finale. Five and six is pretty much not even in it. Yeah, it's Mandalorian season 2.5. It is. And I was okay with that. And I, yeah. I was enjoying that. Episode five, the experience I had with that, I would say it's the best Star Wars experience I've had since the original trilogy. It yeah. felt very Star Wars and it had all the elements that I like. And a lot of people have said online, it's just pure fan service. And I'm like, yeah, it did feel like that, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. It was like, here's that cake you really love. And I'm going to say, no, no, give me more. And it's like, you know, the cool answer isn't to say you like it. It's like, well, okay. I, I, I really like it. I like yeah. seeing Luke Skywalker. Like, you know, <laughs> he's the guy that I grew up with and, and their visuals. Oh, so my God. This when, is something we have to say right now. I mean, we do. I mean, when we saw but, him at the end of Mandalorian, as amazing as that was, because nobody, I didn't anticipate it. No, no way. But what we're getting here is, like, next level. Yeah. And I can understand a lot. I've seen a lot of people online, like, how? why is it so much better than this? Well, for anyone who isn't aware, um, I do recommend checking out the... Uh, the behind the scenes uh, galleries on Disney plus, if you have it, um, they explain for the season two man of Mandalorian, they had a small team of special effects guys and a, like a, a closed set to do all the Luke Skywalker stuff to stop the news getting out. They needed to keep it as small as possible. But by doing so, it also meant they had less hands and less time working on the special effects for the deep fakes slash de-aging tech used on young Luke Skywalker. Once they had finished with that and the cat was out the bag, so when they went needed to use it again for season two of uh, for Book of Boba Fett, they had everyone on board full set as normal as if a normal shooting day they had a fully staffed large team working on the special effects because if it did leaked it didn't matter because people already knew they could they could pick luke skywalker off the shelf he wasn't secluded anymore that's why the special effects are this good but also it's also the 
when you watch that, they actually didn't do a deep fake on Mark Hamill for season two of Mandalorian. It was the de-aging tech they use on like a uh, young Robert Downey Jr. for Captain America Civil War. <clears throat> it's the and the young Michael Douglas for Ant Man. It's the tech that Disney and Marvel have been using for a good decade. Yeah. But at the same time, they did have their in-house company that does deep fakes running simulations about how it would look. And they were creating algorithms and stuff to use. And they actually matched them side by side. They go, we'll go with the tried and true method we have right now, but still continue with this. I have a feeling we're going to want to use this down the line. Down the line was the next show, <laughs> it turns out. And man, like you said, it's it's nearly flawless. It's it's you it's only in shots when uh doing the stunts when he's going through like the obstacle course with Grogu like on his back, like in just Empire. like Yoda. Loved it. <laughs> Fun service. Just, <laughs> that's the only because of the speed and your uh your lights and all that sort of stuff. That's the only bit that it it's, and it doesn't even look like he looks bad. It looks like the stunt work looks a bit janky. Yeah, and just on that, um, it's daytime as well. Yeah, which is it was way harder. Yeah, to do I mean it was in. it was on a dark ship. Yeah, at the end of Mandalorian. So even that, like the the setting is different. Like it's harder to hide the flaws when it's when it's daylight. Yeah, he's walking along outside actors. He's doing small stunt work. He's he's doing everything. More lines of dialogue. I mean, we can say all we want about the visuals, but to get the the correct young sounding Mark Hamill voice as well is another like is more wizardry on the technical side because Mark Hamill is I think he's in his seventies now. Oh, like, it'd have to be. Yeah, he doesn't sound like he did back in nineteen eighty three. But the audio guys, that's actually Mark Hamill read the line and the algorithm picks out from uh, interviews of that hour, the audio book recordings of the movies, all of this stuff, and picks out the exact right sounds to make the words sound as Mark Hamill read them, but as if he read it when he was 40 years ago. And that, and that's what's definitely dividing people. Like some people, they're not liking that approach to it. Like it's too manufactured, but it's still a performance. I mean, of course, it's not Mark Hamill there doing it beat for beat, but it's the essence of the character. And it's how they're able to achieve it. Yeah. yeah Other he than... reads the lines and he, he walks the actor who's, uh, it's actually played by Graham Hamilton, who's doing all the physical stuff on set. Yes. He is being tutored by Mark Hamill on how to be Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. Like, honestly, so he, I Mark Hamill acts out the the, the whole scene, and, and then, then he, they immediately then he reshoot it. it with Graham Hamilton. It, it's a collaboration of the character it is. from the guy who created it, who uh, or who uh, personifies it, and the person who has to make that work the exact same way. So I, I do get it, but this isn't like. Uh, the Moff Tarkin stuff in Rogue One. This isn't like, oh, he's no, dead no, and we're no, digging no. him up. And it's which, yeah, I, which yeah. I absolutely understand people's like, like problem with. But this is the Fisher, best of both worlds. Carrie Fisher as well. When you see her in Rogue One, that's a tough watch now. That those effects yeah. aren't 
nowhere near what we're getting now. And that no, wasn't and too, many, so far. too many years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, this is coming along quickly. We're just going to say Luke Skywalker, how they're doing it. I've got no issue whatsoever. I mean, it's obviously it's different to what we're used to, but it works. And I had no idea that he was going to be in it. I had no idea whatsoever. Right. I didn't know that Rosario Dawson was it would be in it as a soaker and sharing screen time with young Mark Hamill. Like it's just again, fan service, don't care. I I really enjoyed that. Episode five was just pure joy for me. I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. When the X-Wing arrives at the uh, the the opening of or the beginning is Episode seven. Yeah. On one hand, I'm like, oh, cool. Is it going to be more Luke Skywalker? And when it ends up not being Luke and it's R2-D2, you're like, of course, they could not have Luke in the episode because already Boba Fett has had to take a back seat to his show, especially episodes five and six. So the right move was to have not had him there. But it was great seeing him for that one episode that he was in. Yeah, um, I do believe there are talks about them putting together. Now they have uh, Graham Hamilton, and they're they're happy with the, te- the what they've put managed. To, they finished with episode five and six with the Luke Skywalker effects. The rumor is they're doing a new Jedi Order TV show on Disney Plus. That's in the works. I'm like, you know what? Give me. But you, you know sh- what? What I've seen here, I want. Yeah. I- <laughs> okay. I'm on board, like as a character in this show, but I think I'm not sure about building a whole show around what they've done here. I think it works as a supporting character. But then, as you've said, like how fast this technology is progressing, who knows what it's going to look like if they ended up doing that show. But Sebastian Stan has been asked for years, would you be interested in playing Luke Skywalker? And he said, yes, yes, he would. And it looks only, like a young Mark Hamill. But only if Mark Hamill gave his blessing. Oh, come on. I'm sure Mark would. Yeah. <laughs> Although the way they're doing it now, like, as you say, potentially in his 70s, Hamill still looks Skywalker. Yeah. And he'll, yeah. you know, it's it's hard because he is that, he is that character. It's hard to yeah. think of another actor coming in. This is a way of kind of making it work. Talking about other actors playing the part, I recently re-watched Solo, A Star Wars Story. Yeah. And it's the first time I've gone back and watched it since Mandalorian, since we've had Star Wars TV shows. And honestly, I enjoyed it a lot more this recent viewing. And then just thinking, obviously it was before Disney+, Plus, but if they'd have made a solo miniseries with that cast or with, with the yeah. actor, I think people would have been a lot more accepting watching a 30 to 40 minute weekly solo miniseries than like a new film. Rogue One still holds up as a film in its own right, but yeah. they were supposed to be this new thing, a Star Wars story. And they only got two films made. But I think if Solo was a Disney Plus show, because that recent rewatch, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, he nails it. Yeah, they are doing a Lando Calrissian TV show. <laughs> I, oh, actually, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, and it's Donald yeah. Glover, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah, because how could you not? How could you not use him? He's oh, so good yes. in that. I actually think uh, the guy who played ha- uh, young Han. Uh, what's it? Aiden Aldrich. Alden Einrich. Yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he did a f- phenomenal job. I think he it did was do amazing. Job, yeah. It was there's such impossibly large shoes to fill. I think if they were to make that now, they would have had him fill the Graham Hamilton role and use that tech to make right. literally make him uh, Harrison Ford. Which, I, I, but for what they pulled off, yeah, it's a fun movie. He did a phenomenal job. And he got hired because he didn't do an impression of Han Solo. He did it because he came in and did Harrison Ford. Not, not like Harrison Ford. Like He got told, don't do Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Look at his earlier stuff like uh, American Graffiti and uh indiana jones and things of that nature because you got to get out of his head he's he's this is a more brash younger han than what we see. you know he's already world weary by the time you see him in a new hope mm, that's a good so idea he's, he's, and, and they're like just just yeah so you got to keep that in mind you can't go in doing harrison ford because harrison ford is in his like early to mid 30s by that point it's supposed to be him at like nineteen twenty, <laughs> the very different. You get some very hard life lessons that calm you to a certain point to get to there. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, yeah, I, think, I like I think that. He was, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I, do, I still like if if they would announce they were going to use him to do some more like adventures of young Han Solo, I'd be all for it. I reckon. I the really the thing is, though, what I was saying before, I reckon other people would as well. I, really, yeah. I reckon people would be more... Oh, look, what about this, right? Hayden Christensen, episode two, episode three, people tend to still like three, Attack of the Clones, easily the weakest of the prequels. Yeah. And a lot of people at the time didn't like Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. Many people had issue. Years later, they announced that they're bringing him back for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, everyone's excited. Yeah. Everybody's excited to get them on screen together. So I think it could be a similar thing with a solo show or having Solo appear in the Lando show. And I'm saying Solo because that's, that's what they called the movie. Yeah. But I didn't like in the film. <laughs> and he's like, what's your name? Reason. Yeah, it's, it's just Han Solo, hey? <laughs> You're all yeah. on your own. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we didn't yeah. need the origin of the name, but that's okay. That's the thing that happened early on in the movie. But you know what? Let's go back to Boba Fett. And not just Boba Fett. Let's talk about the main guy. And I'm going to let you say his name because I've had a, I've had a couple of reads of it. So <laughs> it's a tricky Tamora one. Tamora Morrison. There we go. Mr. Morrison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to is. get his I wanted to get his full name out there first, but this this is supposed to be his show. Yeah. He's the title the thing character. Is, I think I think if you'd uh, introduced all that flashback stuff with him and the Tuscan Raiders, if you uh, as episode 
just episode one and two before you got to the main stuff, the entire show may have flowed better. But I don't know how it, if people would have stuck around till episode three if you had done that. I can understand their the editorial choice to break that story up over in like we'll have half where he is at the moment and the other half of how he got there. Cause I have heard people say they didn't, they found his transition too rapid to like, I want to be a good man and rule with respect and that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't know why you're surprised. You knew by the time you saw him after watching him in Mandalorian, this is not the Boba Fett from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. He's gone through some stuff and we found him a changed man. The fact that I got to see what those things were was amazing. I didn't, I've never felt so much for Tusken Raiders. They were just these things in video games that made the that I shot all laser uh, hit with my lightsaber. That was it. (laughs) There were things to grind uh, experience points off. That was it. When I was um, reading about it though, and it was talking specifically about the, the Tusken Raider that was teaching him how to fight. And what I was reading referred to the character as she. I'm like, oh, really? I thought it was just a Tuscan Raider with long hair. That was a female yeah. Tuscan Raider. Yeah. And spending so much time with them, like, I'm just like looking at their faces thinking, what's under there? What is yeah. under that mask? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's horrible. We're just thinking, what is actually under there? Because we've never seen that, have we? Yeah. No, never. And it's a big thing in the unit, like in canon, that they never ever show it like anyone who's ever seen has been hunted down and killed nah, yeah because it's like a a big secret but all that was great um seeing uh like tomorrow morrison's doing some really great work of uh being kind of downtrodden and then embracing that tribal life and finding some peace uh, having earned his respect and then you know those are obviously the lessons he's trying to bring f- into his crime empire you know i um, i did buy his motivations and fennec shand is such a good character really yeah. good character and and just how he's basically saying you and i we've worked for people our whole lives who are not as smart as we are that they make yeah. bad decisions and i'm just not going to do that anymore so it it makes perfect sense so when he's like yeah. and your crime lord you're like well yeah, that, that makes sense. It's a character we've seen previously, but he's changing the way he goes about things, but it makes perfect sense. And then for her to be alongside him, them to have a great relationship. But right, okay, yeah. so there is there's something there. You're talking about with the Tusk Invaders and a lot of that, and next to no dialogues, so he couldn't communicate verbally with them. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good things happening, but it's just... It's a very, it's very slow. Everything is very slow. And the episodes aren't that long, really. Like the yeah. standard episode is like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. It's just really slow. There's many, I mean, so many things in the show people had issue with. Like each episode that the show is something new and then fans would be upset about it. Like the, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I can't believe we've not talked about the mods. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The colorful but- bikes. Yeah, but with the Tuscans, I do want to point out uh, the Tuscan warrior who trained him was uh, portrayed by Joanna Bennett. She's a stunt woman who's done multiple, multiple uh, work. 
Um, one of the big ones is she's Brie Larson's stunt double for Captain Marvel. Like, I like the fact that because it's a, a non-speaking role, uh, they there's no need to get anyone else. Like, the stunt person is the actor. Like, get right, to have yeah. the, the complete ownership of the character. Same with the Tuscan Chief, played by Xavier Jimenez. Another one stunt part of the stunt crew who's been given ownership of that character, and the two Gamorian guards or Gamorian bros. <laughs> yeah, I saw going around oh. the <laughs> Yeah, like uh, Frank Trigg and Colin uh, Himes. Uh, they were great. Like they were there all the time. But from the get go, I had this this niggling feeling. I'm like, oh, please don't let anything happen to these guys. I, feel I was like just going to say, I actually grew quite fond of them. They were very loyal. Yeah. And then yeah. just in the you know the finale and they're getting nudged further and further towards the end of the cliff. And it's like, oh, they can't get out of this, can they? <laughs> and they just nah. fall. And then it's like, well, there needs to be some stakes. There needs yeah, to be and- some sense of peril. Like you can't have a war and everybody and survives. Casualties. Yeah. Exactly. Which speaking to the mods, um, as you brought up. We did lose a couple of those, but not the main two, who I just knew were coming through fine. Uh, Drash, played by Sophie Thatcher, and Scad, played by Jordan Bolger. Like, the problem people had with these guys, I get on two fronts. Uh, number one, the mopeds. Like They're, they're basically mopeds, uh, speeder bikes. Um, I mean, and they're called mods, which yeah. is very much a, a whole culture in England. Of young people who dress in suits <laughs> on mopeds. Yeah, but it's like mods like, and rockers. Yeah, it's very yeah. much a thing. But on, you but you mentioned earlier when talking about Harrison Ford, American Graffiti, which was one of, I mean, that that was George Lucas's first theatrical, like first feature-length film, wasn't it? He'd done that special effects film previously. No, yeah. No, his first feature film was THX 11. Yeah, but uh, I didn't think that which but I didn't think that was and feature it, length, though. Was that feature length? I thought that was like a short movie. It was feature length that got shortened by the right, studio. Okay. Well, let's to his second movie. So if yeah, you yeah. look at American Graffiti and then just the, the aesthetics of that era, a lot of that is in Star Wars anyway. Because that's like, his own personal like childhood was exactly. American Graffiti. So that's, like, you he, know, the reason ships, he became a filmmaker... Was yeah, because he wrapped his modified car around a tree and almost killed himself. Oh, and I was wow, like, yeah. I need to get out of this and went to film school. There you go. But what I mean is, is like if you watch Star Trek, and especially if you're looking at the ships of the Federation, everything is shiny and brand new. Yeah, that's not Star Wars. Everything is is a bit makeshift, broken down. I mean, obviously the Empire is different. But yeah. with a lot of what you see, Millennium Falcon, you know, it's falling apart, and that's the the look. So I do, I do see where they've got the idea for the the mod bikes from. I, I agree, they look silly. It look it looks like something out of Power Rangers, but at the yeah. same time, this is kids yeah. on Tatooine. We're spending a lot of time here, by the way, Tatooine, yeah. and we're going to be here again for Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it is a important show. planet in Star Wars. It's a very important planet. If we're not focused on the Skywalkers, we're still on Tatooine. 
But these these are kids that have made their own bikes. They're making their own body modifications. And they want to flex them. They're like, how do you do that? You make them loud. You paint them loud. Exactly. This is also on the streets of Moss Espa where pod racing is a thing. And the pod races were also loud colors as well. Like it's a, it's part of the culture. Most people don't seem to bother with it because it's like, ah, in the desert, it's run down. But these kids don't have anything else. As you said, they want to show off what they've got. Like, look, I got a new robotic arm and this is better than yours. I've paid a lot of money for this. I got a robotic eye. Check it. And, and like, look at my suit. You know, they wear suits. They're not wearing the same shitty, uh, like, tunics and pants that everyone else is roaming around in. They're, yeah. they're dressing to stand out. One of them's pale on a, on a planet with two suns. <laughs> yeah. She's paler than I am, and that's saying a lot. Lots of sunscreen. Yeah. But again, I see, I see why people have issue with them. But for me, I'm like, well, okay, okay. That's it's it's different, but at the same time, it does still feel like Star Wars to me. But like yeah. you're saying, they're doing their own modifications, they're painting the bright colors. We've got to talk more about Scad, though. He's the guy, isn't he? That he's got the eyepiece. Yep. And in the final episode, he does that move. We've not got to him yet, but we've got a Wookiee in this, which is bloody cool. But he's kind of carrying him injured. The bad guys are approaching. He shoves the Wookiee off his shoulder, and he does a spin and fires his weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So many people are having an issue. I remember watching it in the moment thinking, oh, that was a bit cheesy or over the top or whatever. But it didn't yeah. take me out of it. No. There's so many people online, like everybody's sharing gifts of that sequence. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not necessary, but with what you've already said about these group of characters, it kind of fits in with their style. One of the guys yeah. that criticized this is um Ed, is it Ed Boone, the creator of Mortal Kombat? Yeah, yep. Even he was having a go at it on social media. <laughs> and it's like, but Mortal Kombat, that's your whole thing. Like having yeah. like a fancy move to finish an opponent. Yet you're yeah. anyway. <laughs> also, and that was also, you know, the character who is uh working the streets and keeping an eye out for uh for Boba Fett. This was his character moment. Like he got he got tripped when he first got to the fight. Like he got knocked off his bike and he had to be saved. That's right. So this is, this is his little moment after that. Like you, if you, if he's, if a character is going to survive, you want to show that you don't want the next time someone sees them on, in an episode, be like, Oh, this guy, he's, he's useless. You need to, you need to bring him back up to like, Oh yeah, this person can handle themselves. Cause I thought the same thing of like, they've got these pissy little, hand blasters <laughs> fighting a, they're fighting a war i'm like but you know what it's what they, they're street kids it's what they can afford like i i get it they spent all their money on other things but uh, yeah i didn't i didn't like yourself i didn't have any issue with it the only th- issue i had was the speeder bike chase in i think it was episode four um no episode three uh, episode three or four and they're chasing down the major domo who's in the uh and as people are like annoyed about how slow it looked. I'm like, of course it's slow. This was done on a soundstage. 
because of COVID, they couldn't go yeah. out with a big set and build the town necessary to do all the streets to do a chase of this. Like, so this is their first attempt. So it's going to look a little odd. And but you know what? You know, when it, it when they do... do take up so much runtime, you yeah. might have a black tack because at the speed stick, those things would travel. They'd be out of the city in two minutes. <laughs> When did when we get some visuals like that though? Because I mean, this this still takes place in the same Star Wars that we we're first introduced to in 1977, and of yeah. course, you know, effects have come a long way since then. But occasionally, when it does show something where it's a little bit ropey, it kind of it still fits within Star Wars. Yeah. Also. Those streets are small and crowded. Like, how fast can a real person safely navigate? <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. And I'm with you. Uh, and it's still on a TV budget. It might be a high TV budget, but they're still having to turn these things around using television-style resources and budgets because and a big, a big uh, car chase, anyone will tell you, is super expensive. You've got to section off roads you've got to coordinate with stunt crew you've got to run through it at multiple speeds it's got to be everything's got to be planned down to the second yeah really talented people to pull off that driving it's expensive that's why fast and furious do them with increasingly less frequency (laughs) they're spending it all on actual digital effects of things blowing up rather than cars actually driving through streets but yeah i i didn't have any issue with it um, we do eventually get to the villains of the season, though, moving on. Uh, the Pikes, which both of us are familiar with from season seven of the Clone Wars, when Ahsoka is with the two Martinez sisters. Ah, yes. The, the right. Pikes are okay. holding them. Uh because they're supposed to run spice for them, and one of the sisters drops the load. So That's seeing them right. realized in live action, very cool. There's um, so much Star Wars, which is not a bad thing, but there is <laughs> so much. And honestly, like I've said it before when we've done whether it's Mandalorian, Bad Batch, I'm loving the fact that whether it's live action or animation, it doesn't matter. It's all canon. Yeah, and they they just cross over. I'm absolutely yeah. loving that. There's another bad guy that turns up here, who was from the cartoons, and you like yeah. as soon as he shows up, you like straight away, it's Cad Bane. Yeah, and you're like, oh, that is so cool. It looks great. It's voiced by the uh, the actor from. The series Corey Burton again. Uh, love that. I love that they're going to the animation. We talked about it before. With I'm blanking on the name. Help me out here. Um, oh, uh, it's from you know Starbuck. what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who play? Who plays um, the former the head of the Mandalorians from season two? Um, I too am blanking on her name. Okay, good. But it's great that they knew her name and they knew to cast her first in animation and then in live action. Yeah, with the promise of like, don't worry, like it, it might not happen, but you never know. 
and sure, I know it took 10 years, but they got, they got there. Um, yeah. Uh, and if he had opened his mouth, cause I'd spent so much time with him during the Clone Wars cartoon and on the Bad Batch in the episodes, he was there. Um, and the voice was different. It would have done a massive number on my head. I'd been like, I'm out. <laughs> I don't care how good you look. I'm out. <laughs> but no, it's the draw, the way he moves his mouth, the the, the body movements and the mannerisms. Uh, it's all there. Um, and it's, it's such a great character. And this we're familiar with, or, or at least I'm familiar with. In the final season of Clone Wars, which we eventually got as season seven, that's that was actually trimmed down. You know, it was 12 episodes, but initially it was an original 24 episodes. One of those story arcs of th- three or four episodes, Cad Bane was like a mentor to young Boba Fett. But when Boba Fett's trying to strike out on his own, he and Cad Bane have a standoff and they have a draw. Cad Bane's faster, but Bob has got a helmet. He gets shot in the head, as does Cad Bane. Bob gets the dent in his helmet, which is still there today. But Cad Bane now has a metal plate on his head that was put there from the injury he received from Bob. So when you see him ah, right. in the finale and he, uh, uh, he gets taken down, his hat gets knocked off, the metal plate's there. You see it, yeah. Even though they never released it, as a, a completed episode, <laughs> Dave Filoni is like, no, no, that happened. We haven't seen it yet, but that story, that's their backstory, and I'm not removing it for oh, anybody. That is, that is cool. I mean, I've said before we've talked Star Wars, that your knowledge of Star Wars runs a lot deeper than mine. Yeah. So, so I, didn't, I didn't know that, but having this character appear, like, I was familiar I'd seen him before, but having Cad Bane turn up, I think even if you're not familiar, is a cool character to be introduced to. It just works so well as a character, but you having that knowledge, he just adds to it for you. And as you say, having the actor voicing him again from animation, I did get the actress who played Starbuck and who also was in Star Wars, Katie Sackhoff. I've got, oh, of course, Katie Sackhoff. How the hell did we forget Katie Sackhoff? But, um, yeah. so yeah, Cad Bane, fantastic. Not sticking what around, though, because as you said, he um, he's done. Or is he? Well, maybe not. It feel, it, yeah, if, yeah, maybe not. He but might if be he, dragged to a back-to-bank and get modified. <laughs> but you know what, though? Uh, on one hand, it's a really cool character. It'd be good to have him come back, but... If he this was also done, feels like an empty an ending. It does, and it was a fight that Boba Fett was actually in, and he won. Yeah, because yeah. you know it's his show. You got to give him, you got to give him some wins. Yeah. Speaking of other uh, bounty hunters in the series, Black Cassantin, played by Kerry Jones, uh, who's actually a makeup special effects artist. Oh, really? Uh, and has been on multiple things, but. You need someone big to fill out a Wookiee costume and uh, he has the size and he does a great job. But this is a character that's been first introduced in the Star Wars comics by Marvel. Um, And seeing him realize in live action, it's flawless. The 
the the coloring, the costume quality, um, the shoulder pads. He has those like electric like brass knuckle things. Um, the, even the scar over his eye that he actually received from a lightsaber in like one of the comics. Like oh, it's all that's this. Cool. It's, yeah, it's actually Obi Wan Kenobi. Like it's oh, all there. Oh, was it? In his face. Yeah. So much expression. Like the yeah. eyes, the mouth. Yeah, he's chewing. He's taking out bites of people. He's ripping off arms. He's <laughs> throwing people all over the place. He is. He is a a, a unit, and he's he's like a, the full Wookiee that we've always heard about. But Chewbacca is too good a, a a person to go there. This is someone who's had it rough and went the wrong way, and this is what they can look like. But he really. Yeah, yeah. He really added a lot to the show. Like visually, I mean, it always it already looks like Star Wars, but having a Wookiee on the team as well. Yeah. Really cemented it. And like you said, he's just been so different to Chewbacca. Yeah. Yeah, I think and he's a great uh, character. And he's one that goes from he's got a contract on Boba Fett, fails because uh the mods help out Boba and they managed to to, to take him down. Um, hired by the huts, and then when the huts are like, "Yeah, we don't want him back," Bob just lets him go. He's like, "No hard feelings. I know it's a job," because he's also been a bounty hunter. He yeah. knows what it's like. So he just hires him when he needs muscle. He goes so that, that like, again, that job. the motivations, the planning behind Boba Fett is really working for me. Yeah, um, yeah, and the then outside we characters. Oh, but, sorry, but, sorry well, on. So we get the Wookiee to stay around. And yeah. at one point, you know, Boba just thinks he's dead. <laughs> like, and yeah. then he turns up surprised. Ah, oh, I thought you were dead. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. that was um that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, you can just say other side characters. Well, there's there's a droid that I wanna uh. <laughs> I wanna call out. And we first get him in episode one, and straight away I had no idea Matt Bevy was in this. But as soon as you hear the droid. 8D8 talk, you're like, hang on a minute, that's Matt Berry. Yeah. Amazing, absolutely amazing. I mean, Matt Berry, he's got such a cool voice, but he sounds like Matt Berry in everything. He never puts a voice on, whether it's Toast of London, IT Crowd, What We Do in the Shadows, this, like, he always sounds the same, but I love it. And have you seen that they did a, a recent sequel series to Toast of London, and it's Toast of Tinseltown, and Stephen Toast moves to America. And the plot of the series is that his character has been cast in the new Star Wars film. And this isn't a Star Wars film, but it's a Star Wars TV show. So I watched Toast of Tinseltown, complete series, and then not too long after that, I watched the first episode of this show. It's like, oh, wow, he's done it. <laughs> I mean, it's not Stephen <laughs> Toast, but it's Matt Berry. No. He's actually made yeah. it. He's in a Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's actually hilarious because I'd made comments to some friends of mine. Uh, I'm a big Matt Berry fan, uh, as a lot of them are as well. And I'm like, yep. you know what's really strange? Matt Berry n- never seems to have made it in the US. I'm like, and I even brought up, I'm like, I mean, from the IT crowd, we had Richard AOA for crying out loud in season uh, one of the Mandalorian and season two, uh, when the he- the droid's head was used by Frog Lady. Ah, that's I'm right. Like, yeah. Why? Yeah. Why does Why does uh, Richard AOA 
uh, Matt Berry always get overlooked. And then, yeah, sure enough, start watching Boba Fett. And there he is. I'm like, oh, huh, my boy. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. And I was, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was so happy. We, you do watch um, what we do in the shadows, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, mate. I, and Mark Hamill has been in it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Howard's connection. He did it more in series one. One of the funniest things for me in that show that Matt Barry does is like just a running gag. Whenever he turns into a bat, he just shouts bat. Yeah. Bat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets me every time. Oh, I um, I love that show. So good. So good. Um, uh, Taika supporting... Waititi, director oh, of episodes, uh, who you know put together that phenomenal series. Oh, that's right. Oh, there you go. There you go. I mean, we should say this show, created by John Favreau. Yeah. He's been across Star Wars as Mandalorian, and that's pretty much his area now, isn't it? Between him and Dave Filoni, they're managing Star Wars on TV. But looking yeah. at the directors that they have for this, Robert yeah. Rodriguez, and he did that episode of Mandalorian, which was very Boba Fett heavy, didn't he? Yeah. So he did uh, the first one, the third one, Streets of Mos Espa, and the finale, which you get Boba Fett in his full glory. Right. Um, yeah, uh, you get Stephen Green, who did the second episode with a lot of the Zan the people um, tribal stuff, which I found endlessly fascinating. Uh, the Gathering Storm was directed by Kevin uh, Tancheron, um, which is where we get our last Boba Fett episode as it takes a side step to Mandalorian territory. Uh, episode five directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, which was, I mean, as I was watching it, I'm like, this is so well done. Who put this together? And so her name pop up at the end. I'm like, Oh, well that explains it. Like, yeah. But it, yeah. Yeah. And on the back of that, job. on the back of that, people are saying, give her a star Wars movie. And then people, but then people are saying, no, give her a Star Wars series. Like, let her do a whole series. Yeah, Yeah. that was, I mean, we've talked about episode five a lot. That was a really good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And episode six, um, Dave Filoni took the helms of that one. That's when we get all the training with Luke and Ahsoka's in it. And that's where at the very end of the episode, we get Cad Bane introduced in live action for the first time. Yes. Shooting down another person we haven't brought up, Cobb Vance, Timothy Olipant. I was trying to get us there, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He he was great in Mandalorian wearing Boba's armor. Yeah. Finally gives it up. And I was very happy to see his character return until he's gunned down and he's dead. But it's Star Wars. And what is what is going on? What's the what's the name of the, the tank that uh, Boba Fett? Is, what, what's he got a Bacta tank? What do they call that? Yeah, it's a Bacta tank. So in Star Wars, they have a uh, a biological uh, medical stuff called Bacta, which is from I think it's actually like a, a seaweed type stuff that it gets processed into its medicinal form. Um, and you submerge in it. So that's why right. you know, they've got the tank. That's you got the mouthpiece mouth to get the oxygen, yeah. which is why it heals so well, because it's got amazing healing 
faculties and you just submerge completely and let it do its job. Um, there are people in Canon that have an allergy to it because same as any other medicine, it's extremely rare, but it happens, uh, which is where my mods still exist. Mods are usually right. for people who have a severe injury that backs they can't treat or have a, an allergen to Bacta and have to go that route. So that part of the medicine never went away. Um, but that's what it is. It's, it's what Luke was in at the start in of my back after yep. the Wampa. Uh, it's what Anakin uh, you see in Rogue One when he's Vader. He, he gets disturbed while he's in a Bacta tank that he continues to treat himself in when, he's out, when he gets out of the armor to meditate in his castle. Um, and, it, and it's been a long-standing thing. If you go play any video game, you pick up a medical thing. It's oh, you got some back down. You get hit ah, right now, oh, there you go. But it, it just seems like because I, I get it. Like if characters are injured, like those you know examples you just gave there. But yeah. it's almost like every chance Boba Fett gets, he's back in the tank. It's almost like yeah. he's constantly injured. Like he's always yeah. going in there. Yeah. Well, they which. The explanation is, is uh, from when he escaped uh, the Sarlacc pit, he was terribly burned by his stomach acids um, and it's damaged his lungs and a bunch of other stuff. Right. He's been carrying those injuries for a long while because he's not been had access to Bacta. And um, after he's the, uh, so he's been slowly recovering himself. Now he's got access to a tank, but on the first episode where he gets overwhelmed on the streets, it sort of pushes him back. And you see him take a beating throughout the first the first half of the season, which is why it takes so long to get him back to full Boba that we saw in Mandalorian season two. Yeah. Um, but which I get. Um, it's it I've heard people say, Oh, that's disappointing. Like he keeps getting his ass handed to him. Boba Fett's supposed to be a badass. But he is someone who's still recovering from severe injury. Still as recovering said, it's, it's like and older. And he's older yeah, as well. Like he's yeah. not a young man anymore. Um, I think we talked about it when we reviewed season two of Mandalorian. When he's got the helmet off and he's got the armor on, and obviously the armor fits a lot differently now to how we used to. I mean, he still looks like Boba Fett, but obviously he's an older guy. He's, you know, he's an older guy, still in great shape. But he looks so different to like, you know, Boba Fett, like when we first got introduced in those movies, he was just a skinny guy, skinny yeah. English guy, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's, 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 come, it's come a long way. So that more so with season two of Mandalorian, it took some getting used to visually like, okay, he looks a little yeah. bit different here. But I was into it more watching the show. I was like, okay, so this is just what Boba Fett looks like. But in that finale, he does get some cool moments. But I've got to say, as I'm watching it, and then my eye always gets drawn to the rocket on his back. Yeah. And that was like, that was a toy, wasn't it? Bit of a hazard yeah. at the time. Make sure you don't get it in your eye. But uh, I was, but I was a, watching this it. Is a, this is one of those funny <laughs> urban legends. Uh, the Initially, they made some prototypes, uh, a very small run that were dangerous. That never that some made it out eventually, but it wasn't available. It had to be turned down for the regular one, right? Just a normal spring. But yeah, the initial prototype had like a severely like dangerous <laughs> rocket on its back. But yeah, I, I agree. Every during every sequence, there's so many guys flooding the streets. I'm like, 
there's a rocket on your back. Man. Yeah, and I'm like, well, fire it, it, fire it. You're going to do something cool here. And he fires yeah. it. And straight away, you know that it's done nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. You've got yeah. all the black smoke and it, the smoke fades and the, the machines and just the machines, the size, they've got the force field of those droids from Phantom Menace, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. yeah. But his, his rocket launcher did, did nothing. But when yeah. he's like, and they said, oh, you know, like machines can't get through, like they're deflecting. And, he, and Boba Fett goes, I'll be back. You're thinking he's probably going to go get his rancor. I think most people were thinking that. But when I was he, actually thinking he was going to go get his ship. All oh, right, but but it's technology. But when he comes back riding a rancor, you're like, that's pretty cool. That's really that's cool. What I want. Oh, yeah, when we first, yeah, that's oh, what we've, I um, we've not mentioned when we first Danny get Trejo. the rancor, Danny Trejo as a rancor wrangler. This <laughs> seems so strangely accurate. You're like, of course, that's what he'd do. Oh, I, like, I thought that was great. At first, yeah. he, he turned up, and I don't think he had dialogue towards the end of an episode. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's Danny Trejo's Star Wars moment. Next episode, he's talking away. I thought, this is brilliant. Yeah. Really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, another good thing is because in real life, he's an advocate of uh, pit bulls as a dog breed. Right. So there are no such thing as a bad dog or a bad dog breed. You have bad owners who don't uh treat them properly don't train them accurately like dogs are surprised like pit bulls are very loving uh safe dogs to have around but you know it's you've got to make sure to walk them enough get them the exercise they need you know you have to train them to be a good dog and not just a puppy that's grown to a, a size that's now no longer manageable uh which and that's that was his job as the Rancor trainer of like, they're actually very loving, intelligent animals. I'm like, oh, it's so perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. like I, his real life inspirations in Star Wars form. I like that. Yeah. And he's the real life cousin of Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. It's, a, it's a family affair. I didn't know that about him in the Pitbulls. That's, that's nice and plays into his Star Wars character. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. It was cool. I mean, the, the Rancor gets a King Kong moment. Like it goes Absolutely. full King Kong on the top of the Empire yeah. State Building. <laughs> wow. yeah, and, get, and then you think, oh, Mando is going to like calm it down. And it just wrecks him. <laughs> yeah, just... but then everybody is attacking the Rancor then. Yeah. And then Grogu gets a moment. Everybody yeah. is getting a moment. Oh, actually, I didn't write the actress's name down. The, the mechanic from Mandalorian. Uh, yes. On... Uh, the character name is Pelimoto, played by... Amy Sedaris. Oh, perfect. I really, Jason. really want to talk about no, her uh, because from, what's the show? She used to be was it uh, uh, Strangers with Candy? That was her oh, show. Okay, I've, I've not seen that show, but I really want to talk about it because there's there's a moment in particular, and it you you just buy everything that's happening on screen, like, and it's it's because of her. So you've got a sequence where she's overly animated, but in a good way, and she's interacting with the machines or the droids and Grogu, who's not yeah. communicating back. The droids are communicating with sound, and she's fully conveying and carrying the scenes that she has. Yeah. And it's as if, because of her performance, you're, you're able to interpret 
everything else that's happening around her. And she really pulls it together. And I thought she did such a good job. She's a bit of comic relief at times, but I thought she was great. Like she was so good in that sequence. Yeah. And she's, she's been great in all the episodes she's shown up in. Like she's the one who puts together Mando's like new ship, his sleek, like uh, heavily modified oh, that was cool. starfighter. Yep. Um, but yeah, she's she's a force to be reckoned with whenever she's in a scene. Yeah, she like, really is. Also, she's brilliant. You, you believe with her character, you you believe she gets herself in and out of situations, no issue. Like, like I get myself into these situations trying to get a deal or get some coin or whatever. I thought I get out of them without a scrape because of how who I am. Like, yeah, yeah, I completely believe that's exactly what that person's personality is. Yeah, I I like to be Mandalorian, but. In this in this show, I thought she was absolutely fantastic. Really liked her. Going back to Cobb Vanth because we we started talking about him, and then we got yeah. distracted with the back to tank post credit scene. Yeah. I think it was the first one that we got in all seven episodes. But I was curious. I always scroll to the end just in case. Yeah. And he's in the tank. Yeah, and Boba Fett alive. did. He did say that he's not used it yet because somebody else is using it. I thought, I keep saying the Wookiee, because what was he called again? Black Hassanton. Black Hassanton. I was thinking he was in there, but he wasn't. Yeah. He's actually Cobb Vanth, and I'm really pleased because I like the character. And yeah. Timothy Oliphant, I think he is great. So it's really good yeah. that he's still out there alive. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, it's really good. The... Uh... When you, the episode six finished airing, where you get shot at the end, apparently the creator of the character was quite miffed. It was like, what? I created this character, and they put him into live action, and they kill him off almost as fast. This is ridiculous. And so it's nice to see that hopefully they they caught that post credit scene, and they're like, he's alive! Ha-ha! I can hopefully. <laughs> I also did see something about that creator, and he made a, he made a point that, he wasn't credited as the creator of the character. I think he was credited in Mandalorian, but not in this show. Ah, uh, okay. Which usually, you know, Disney are pretty good about that, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, they're usually pretty good at crediting the creators. Yeah. Um, things slipped through the cracks. I'm sure they. it might have just been a matter of like, oh, we, we, people know, we, we mentioned it and just forgot or he doesn't get a lot of screen time so maybe they whereas he gets an entire episode in mandalorian maybe it just as yeah said, true maybe the, to yeah doing the editing it's someone just dropped the ball i mean if i'm him i'm i'm gonna have more issue with them killing him than not being credited <laughs> himself yeah yeah, yeah but absolutely. he's his back is is alive at the end, and, and let's let's talk about the the end specifically of episode seven, closing credits. The music, like throughout, yeah. like, I did enjoy the music. Uh, the composer for the show is Joseph Shirley, who has done a lot of projects, but it seems like he's done projects with people. This is maybe one of his projects where he's doing a lot of it himself. But the the theme is Ludwig Goranson, who did yeah. Mandalorian. And obviously when Mando appears, they play that 
Mandalorian theme as well. Yeah. But I think when you get the end credits of the season finale, and then because we'd only had the theme up until that point. Yeah, and variations of it depending on the variations. But as I'm watching the end credits, they're actually singing Boba Fett. Yeah, Fett. <laughs> Boba but Fett. Do do. But I'm thinking, have they always done this? Have I just blanked it out? I, but no, I did the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, how 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 have I not remembered this? But uh, yeah, no, yeah. they they saved it for episode seven, and it's really yeah. silly, but I like it. <laughs> Like yeah, it. and if they're just going to use it on like the last episode as novelty, it is a good way of capping it off. But yeah, I thought, wow, that's a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, lot, a choice I like, but yeah, that's, didn't didn't realize they do that. But yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it fits in so smoothly. You're like, wait, have I even did I not notice this before? How did I not notice it before? I've listened to it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But yeah, the, the music felt very Star Wars. And yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, the production values on these shows, the effects. I'm I'm loving Star Wars on the small screen. Now, this was a shorter season, just seven episodes. But whether it's this Mandalorian, 25th of May, we're going to get Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward oh, to Leslie. Oh, yes. Really, really looking forward to that. We're just Wednesday night, coming home from work, and just watching Star Wars. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Like as an experience. So some shows are better than others. And this one's going to be an interesting one to review because it's so disjointed. There's some things that really work in particular episodes. Yeah. And what really works, your title character is not there. But ups and downs, whether it's this, Mandalorian is mainly ups, to be fair. Oh, just Star Wars on TV. Thoroughly enjoying it. But yeah. actually, if you're if you're going to rate this show out of five, because I'm very... I'll let you go first. I'm very interested because I still don't know. I've not formed a number out of five yet. I've got an idea, but I want to hear what you think. Yeah. Uh, what I'll say is... I... Like yourself, I race home every Wednesday of like, oh, I need to catch. I got Bob Fett's on, Bob Fett's on. Uh, and every single time an episode was on, I was loving it. It ended, I'm like, oh, what's going to happen next week? Just, it was my, it's my, been my go to television show as it's, as it's run. Um, and I didn't even think anything about, because I was, I was so invested in, and had enjoyed so much of what happened as per episode as I watched it. I didn't even think about the season as a whole until I was writing up my notes for the review. So I'm going to stick with my gut and say my personal... Well, if I was going to give this to others, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, My enjoyment was higher than that, but I'll say I, I agree with critics of its... Its overall uh, pacing is a little disjointed, and the fact that you know, as you're get building towards your big thing uh, for the first four episodes, it suddenly takes a, a left turn and becomes a Mandalorian show for two episodes before coming back to the 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 title character. Um, but while it was happening, I was completely invested, more than happy. The fact that I got two, like almost two full episodes of 
Mandalorian in the middle of my Boba Fett show. I, I, I would, I would say I was annoyed, but that's a lie. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh my god, I, I didn't know I was going to get Mandalorian this early. That was my my thought. Not what this is supposed to be, Boba Fett show. Um, so on that merit, as I said, in terms of the enjoyment and the quality of the overall piece, four. I can completely understand people's if, if you've waited to watch it all in one hit and then binged it through very different story. I'm sure uh, as with the pacing and the sudden takeaway of the main character for two episodes, but yeah, I loved it. Oh, e- an easy four for me. How about yourself? Yeah. I- I'm going to commit a four as well, but it's, it is an odd one because the reason why I'm coming in higher than what was probably originally thinking is because of Mandalorian. Yeah. But it's a Boba Fett show. So you're right. The Tuscan Raiders episode, even though the pacing, it was still slow like the other episodes we got, it was interesting. Yeah. But for me, the show was really, really fun. Episodes five, six, and then the finale. Yeah. So the, yeah, the first half, acceleration to the end. Yeah, the first half is just so slow. It's, like it, yeah, it's, it really all, is... it's all character establishments and establishing stakes, and then it's it really it's momentum all surges on the back end, which I'm sure people complain about, but I'm used to watching shows that are slow, very slow burns. Like The Witcher is a good example of it. If you watch yeah. season one, especially, um, there's, in fact, both seasons of The Witcher, there's just a lot of establishing the politics of the area. I know, but I'm I'm what, sure but, that would that would feel like one show, like beginning, middle and end, whereas what we're talking about here, The Book of Boba Fett, it's... It's really not. It's like it's a patchwork of different things. It's more like the book yeah. of Star Wars than the book of yeah. Boba Fett. But yeah. when and it's that's given what I've heard as, people like a patchwork yeah. of Star Wars of like it is. like it's uh, it's almost like a, a a tasting plate of what we're going to be getting over the next few years of like you're going to be getting some Ahsoka and some Luke and some and that I really liked that I really liked and I, it's just the fact that they're saying that this is a Boba Fett show. And ultimately, yeah. Mandalorian is assisting Boba Fett. They're working together to come together in the season finale. But if you just took away episodes five and six, and this was just like a five-part miniseries, I wouldn't be coming in at a four. It's five and six that are lifting it up for me. But then it's not higher yeah. than a four because of everything else. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, it's an enjoyable show, but I know people that have done a couple of episodes and they've just stopped. And I don't yeah. want to spoil it because I know if they knew, and I don't know how they've managed to stay away from spoilers, if they knew <laughs> what happened in five and six, they would watch it. But then yeah. you'd have to spoil it for them to watch it. Whereas, yeah. oh, it's slow, not a lot's happening, I'm not interested, I gave it one episode and I'm out. It's yeah. definitely worth sticking through for, and especially... If you really liked Mandalorian seasons one and two, you're looking forward to season three. You kind of need to see the Book of Boba Fett. It's not this yeah. standalone thing; it's all connected. Yeah, because they're not going to have they're not going to recap 
the story points they've established here of like why Grogu isn't training to be a Jedi. He's made his decision, which is no, no, I, I miss my surrogate father. I'm, I want to pal around with him. And he's got his little shirt on. (laughs) Yeah. He's got his little uh, chainmail shirt made from Beskar. That was cool. Flying around in a souped up ship that he's like tapping on the glass. Like, yeah, because he wants to go faster. (laughs) But that that is it. But that's an example of like, that that was a really fun moment. I, I was watching it and I laughed. I enjoyed that. But that's not Boba Fett. That's Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like it's another example of enjoying another show within Book of Boba Fett anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for our episode all about the Book of Boba Fett. If you would like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.